This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Happy Tuesday, Mawera. Happy Tuesday to you too, Sam. How's it going? Very well indeed. What are you doing tomorrow, Mawera? Oh, I thought I might fly down to Wellington and present a petition at the Beehive to the minister and hang out with some politicians and <laughs> it's only going to be the best day of of my, well, maybe the best day of my life, but it's going to be up there in the top five. I cannot wait to tell you about it. Actually, I'm so excited. That is pretty awesome. It is. Also awesome. Who will we be introducing today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce one of my fellow uh, doctoral professional practice learners. Uh, uh, his name is Jamie Vaughan. He's an IT manager at, in a firm in Dunedin. He can talk to you about that. Uh, and he is a really clever man, actually. Um, I remember listening to him speaking at a symposium a while back, um, and he's got some cool things to say. Thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. Welcome, Jamie. Where are you, Jamie? Uh, I am in Dunedin. I'm uh, currently uh, in our offices at uh, Galloway Cook Allen down on Vogel Street. Uh, so, you know, very, uh, very nice place to uh, you know, sit back and uh, have a wee think and, and do some typing. It's a fantastic building. So, uh, yeah, so I'm uh, coming to you from Dunedin. You were going to be at home, but you've got a house full of little people. Uh, I do, I do. I've got uh, three munchkins, uh, age nine, four, and one in two weeks. And uh, yeah, the place gets a little bit uh, chaotic uh, with the, the three very vocal kids. Uh, not to mention the two dogs, the cat, the rabbit, the bird. I think there was another pet, but I can't remember. Uh, so yeah, it does it does get quite um, quite hectic at, uh, at my house. So I thought, no, I'll, I'll come down to the office and it'll be at least nice and peaceful. So how was bubble life? It sounds like it must have been busy. Uh, during lockdown, it was uh, certainly interesting. I mean, the, the good thing about uh, sort of the, the uh, two kids being older is they generally looked after themselves and played with each other rather than uh, hassling mum and dad all the time. Uh, but no, it was um, yeah, interesting to say the least. Very hectic. Uh, lots of uh, you know, TV time with Netflix was fantastic. But the, the boys were getting right into uh, Minecraft. Um, so they'd play, uh, play each other in, in Minecraft on the Xbox. So uh, at least it was relatively constructive and they weren't dropping lava on everything. So that was uh, always a, a good start. Uh, and of course, the wee one, you know, he's, uh, he's only turning uh, one in, let's say, in two weeks' time. Uh, so he was definitely a wee handful as well. But, uh, you know, between those and work, it was definitely busy. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one, though, that was like that. And homeschooling? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, the oldest had uh, Zoom uh, classroom meetups, which was great. He's got his own wee Chromebook, and uh, you know, just he'd jump into Zoom on that and talk to his classmates. Uh, the middle child, uh, he had a resource pack that was sent out to him uh, by the, I think it was by the Ministry of Education, uh, and so that that kept him busy as well. I think there was the odd Zoom chat for him as well, but um, yeah, daily ones with the oldest, and that was enough to keep them ticking along. And within the limits of what we're allowed to do, did you get out and about? I tried to, yeah. I, I live up in Halfway Bush, so uh, right up the top there, uh, right beside one of the reserves. So it was actually really easy for me to duck out and you know, try to avoid people as much as possible. Uh, so a really good track that sort of goes down into Fraser's Gully, uh, sort of a, a goat track almost. It's very steep, but it makes for a really good walk um, straight down into the valley. So yeah, it was good, but again, just keeping that distance as much as possible, yeah. And working from home? I, I, easy, easy, I, absolutely. I, I presume a lawyer isn't essential? 
No, no, we, we were all fully working from home. I uh, managed to get, uh, you know, we've got nearly nearly 80 users in the firm and uh, pretty much all of us were able to work from home. Uh, so we had that, um, that procedure uh, well and truly in place ahead of time. Uh, something that we rely on really for when people go away or, or head out of town or anything like that. So that's uh, that was quite quite straightforward for us really, other than the old little blip on the first day of um, level four. But for us, no, it was um, you know just business as usual in a very unusual place. Are all your systems set up that people can work from home? All the, yeah. the absolutely, the yeah. Was, we, we we use a Citrix-based system, so yeah, for us, you know. It was it was all second nature for most of our people. The um, the remainder just need a little bit of uh, of training on what to do, and you know, the odd loaner laptop for some people, and that was it. It was it was pretty pretty smooth sailing, I'd like to say. So uh, yeah, uh, it was it was interesting going out into lockdown, coming back in. Well, I think it was it was a few grizzles, but uh, but no, we got there, and it was um, yeah for us it was it was okay. And you're an IT manager within within law within a law firm, mm-hmm. was there anything difficult or different you had to do in terms of security? Or had, did, they, did they get over the fact of signing paper? The lawyers are still obsessed by actually signing stuff, aren't they? <laughs> well, they are. Uh, the, the good thing about uh, this particular firm is that we are very conscious about going paperless. Uh, it's a process we started many years ago, really. So uh, a lot of our systems were already set up for that. So we did have a workaround. It was a, a little bit of a, a pain involving digital signatures and, and you know, different uh, you know, software solutions that sort of came into play. Uh, a few people did have to, to learn new ways of doing things, but uh, there was there was nothing stopping us from from carrying on as per normal, really. Um, Security-wise, I mean, you know, really with with the systems we've got, uh, other than making sure people were logging in from secure laptops and they had some sort of solution on there, like some sort of antivirus or firewall or whatever it may be. Uh, other than that, really, it's, it was like I said, it was business as usual, just in a, a different place. Let's take the first of your music choices. We're going with Caravan Palace, Lone Digger. Why this one? Uh, it's something that I uh, you know, picked up via Spotify a wee while back. The old uh, Electric Swings were a different genre, something I you know, probably wouldn't have listened to back in the day you know, when I was a bit younger. And I saw it and I thought, no, that's, a, that's a pretty neat song. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's made a regular appearance on my uh, playlist since. It's an interesting fusion, isn't it? Of bringing together uh, electric, totally unexpected musical forms. Uh, electric Swing, yes. Uh, I believe the group's from France, I think, from memory. And, uh, yeah, you know, they're, uh, they're all sort of a mix of, of electro and, and uh, traditional instruments, you know, your uh, brass and your, um, uh, your saxophone, your, uh, your horns, etc. So, yeah, it's quite a, quite a neat sort of mix. Time to lay low, your knees are bending, so it's time to get up and let go. Hey, brother, this is 
Okay, everybody, you just stop dancing now. We're talking to Jamie Vaughan. How was coming out of lockdown? Did you go straight back to work? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I think it took a few days, really. We, we staggered it, of course, given the, the idea of uh, social distancing. Uh, so it did take a wee while for everyone to sort of get back into normality or whatever normality is these days. It's, it's I think, still hard to say. Uh, but, you know, it did take a good you know, few days for us to get back into place and, and everyone to, to carry on working as per normal. Uh, a few people had actually taken their entire uh, computer and screens and everything home with them. So yeah, there was some sort of getting back into place in that regard as well. Uh, but, yeah, no, we, we got there and... Again, I, I think we're still adjusting, really, aren't we? And several months later, it's been a it's been a process. But uh, yeah, no, it, it happened. We got there and we carried on working as best we could. Did everybody come back, or if people working from home a bit more now? Uh, I'd say it's safe to say that yeah, more people are working from home. Uh, it's something that we have tried to learn from and incorporate into our our standard practice. Uh, so we do have the means for people to work from home as we would. Any other time, you know, if, if someone's off sick with the kids, they can log in from home as they always would. Uh, but, you know, we do have a few more processes now about how we would allow people to work from home on a more regular basis. Uh, you know, with, with certain conditions, of course, you know, making sure that they've got the right environment and the right gear and everything like that. Uh, so, yeah, there, there is definitely some new or some changes to, to how we work as a result of the lockdown. So what do you think has changed in, in terms of how people are working? I think in terms of how we work overall, I think we're a little bit more open-minded uh, in regards to our solutions uh, and how we work and, and how we interact with not just ourselves but also with clients. Uh, yeah, I think the entire COVID lockdown scenario was a massive culture shock for many of us. You know, I think a lot of people realised that well, actually we've had things pretty good for a very long time, uh, and you know this this sort of disruption. I mean, who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, so, so I think there's a lot of people being very cautious, um, not just you know, here and where I work in this firm, but uh, you know, across the industries in general. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of guesswork and uh, yeah, uncertainty going on at the moment. But, uh, you know, we, we're doing the best we can with it. We're making the most of what we've got. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure whatever comes our way, we'll work through it, as we always do. You've been studying professional identities do you think there's going to be a a time stamp on people's professional identities do you think it's going to be a we're going to look back and talk about what we were doing pre-covid and what we did perhaps during covid and if, if there's ever a post-covid well I, I certainly think there will be absolutely it's, it's one of those things that's pretty hard to miss really isn't it you know we've all been so heavily impacted by it you know there's in people who have uh, have lost loved ones, and there have been people that have you know lost their jobs, their homes, whatever may be the case. Uh, but again, we're we're working through it, and I think that's probably the the key thing is you know how did we come out of it? How did we recover from this uh, again unprecedented event uh, that you know really um, people say oh we could see it coming, but you you really couldn't. Um, I was speaking today uh, in front of some students uh, at uh, EIT uh, with uh, Dr. Debrilo Lopez, and, and like I said. To her then, you know, I, was, I was talking to her last October in Nelson, in Sunny Nelson, about how you know, I should pop up to Auckland and say hi to them all and, and talk to them about my experiences. You know, thinking that flying up to Auckland and doing that would be a perfectly normal thing. You know, who could have foreseen what was going to happen in the coming few months? It's, uh, it's crazy, really, when I think about it. And you know, for, for me, I think it's impossible to, to not have that, that sort of that indelible mark uh, you know, in the back of our consciousness of, of you know, what we've been through. You did quite a bit of work in your Masters on identifying values and capabilities. Do you think those have changed for you as part of the, the COVID response? Uh, I think, again, there's, there's probably more focus, I think, on, on the idea of not having a set workplace. You know, the idea of, of working from home, working remotely, whatever it may be, uh, of having the traditional setup where you go into the office, you've got your workstation that connects to the uh, the work servers and the SQL servers or the mail servers, whatever may be the case. Uh, I think that idea 
again, alongside the technologies we have today, you know, your Office 365, you know, Azure, your AWS, everything along those lines, I think, is, is more working towards that individualized experience that uh, you know, perhaps many firms, uh, many companies, many businesses uh, haven't really experienced in, until the last few years. So, yeah, I think there has been a change uh, in how we would assess uh, what's needed as a uh, professional in the IT field these days, yeah. The be kind message has been particularly successful and in some ways that's been implemented at work in the workplace by the well-being message. Are you seeing a focus on on well-being in the work you're doing? Uh, Absolutely. I think I'm seeing a focus on well-being full stop uh, across the board, not just in the work I'm doing but in uh, in my studies. Uh, in my uh, approach to family and to schooling uh, and to approach to community interaction. I think it's it's something that's just across the board, something that we need to do uh, these days. It's you know, we've, we've all been through something pretty harsh. It's, it's been a very trying time for everyone. And I think everyone does need to you know, have that message of you know, be kind to each other and most importantly, be kind to yourself. Uh, I think it's something that we, we all should have at the front of our, forefront of our minds. Um, forward. I think that be kind to yourself is one that didn't get explicitly mentioned. It, it, it was never, this is what be kind means, but it kind of kicked in after a bit that it, it does also mean, it means about yourself. It means perhaps having the humility to know that we don't have to be perfect every day. We don't have to totally focus on on productivity. But is that saying, oh, productivity is not the total thing? In in your role, you do have to be productive. You need to keep those servers up. That is true. Yes, um, you know. I guess there there is a a baseline. There isn't there. There is a, a bare minimum that we need to to get through. But uh, I mean, here's my personal motto. Um, take take it as you will. Uh, I think that perfection is unattainable. Uh, it's something that a lot of people aim for, but you know, especially in IT, if you spend the money and the time and the effort uh, getting a system that's perfect, then something will come along very shortly that will make it obsolete and you have to keep up with it. So I think you know, perfection uh, is, is unattainable. I think the, the best thing to do is to uh, work so that you're on your absolute worst day when everything's gone horrifically wrong, uh, your efforts are still good enough to get the job done. That, that's how I try to see the world, really. And, uh, you know, I think you know, being kind to yourself is keeping that in mind that, you know, you, you can have your you know, lofty goals as to how you want to be, but just bear in mind that, you know, you've still got to live within the real world. And uh, and that's okay. We've got a learner who is associated with the Australian Defence Force, and they've got a an ethics, essentially an ethics unit in their... Um, what's it called? The is it at ANU or is it, is it whatever their main their main campus is called? Um, and that's kind of their motto is is something along the lines of being proud of the decisions you make on the worst day. Hmm. Yeah, you're very very similar. Um, yeah, it's, it's something I paraphrase. I actually learned that motto uh, from an old music teacher uh, who lives here in Dunedin, and um, yeah, it's something I've never forgotten really. Uh, so I try, try to live by that. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui, kia koutou, ko hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and beloved souls. I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around this journey that we're on together, it's proved to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are triumph from agent perfect yeah making things now of course for all of us beautiful superstars this year has been so intense it's been so much learning so much change the ups and downs it really has been just the most revelatory emotional roller coaster ever and what i seem to have to keep learning over and over again in these cycles revelation is not to completely exhaust myself and to take care of myself in a sustainable and realistic and practicable way so of course having had multiple adventures running simultaneously i'm now needing to rest and recuperate 
having been very unwell yesterday. So I woke up very early this morning and tidied almost the entire mansion. All these beautiful objects that were made into a Christmas tree costume have been put back in their lovely box houses. And there's been lots of vacuuming and washing of bedclothes. Beautiful new bedclothes have been put on the bed, new beginnings. I've had a bath, I went back to sleep and I feel much better. So thank you very, very much, Sam and Leslie, for your help and your support. It's wonderful for me to have this show and really appreciate Leslie's support at Otokanui. And in general, uh, Leslie is up at Otokanui for me today because I'm still unwell. So, you know, I really appreciate all the support that is around me. And so I really hope for you, whatever this year has brought to the surface for you that you're working through, that you're learning, you are getting the support that you need to do this. And at times it can be hard to acknowledge that we need support. But when we do, how beautiful that that support is always there. And for me, I'm just so, so grateful for all the love and encouragement that is around me. It's important to me that I make the most of it and utilize that supportive and loving energy. And for the rest of this year, obviously there are many, many more adventures to be had. We've got the Santa Parade this weekend. We've got all these various events at the Centre City New World and Maritien. Lots of school groups coming to see us. So it's very important to make sure that I rest and recuperate in order to fully engage with these wonderful, wonderful opportunities to connect and encourage and inspire and be inspired and feel connected and feel loved and supported. And of course, to promote Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, my heart's home. And so for you, I really hope that you can see coming up for the rest of this year how you want to engage with things. I've put a brand new bedspread on the bed so I can say new beginnings and feel that I have a better understanding of how to care for myself forever now. And I really hope it's the same for you. I hope you're learning lots of helpful ways to care for yourself so the best aspects of you can come forward into this lucky, lucky world. And I hope that you can see the rest of this year stretching out as a series of triumphs and learnings and nourishments and revelations. And I hope that you have some wonderful other life forms to share it with. I've got Hastings here, the beautiful cat, being very purry and attentive, which is very kind. I went to visit Nawahine Atahua at Haha HQ this morning, and one of Maya's eggs is open but wasn't having a baby inside. And Kornui and Mahuika are doing really well. Countess Vera Rosikoff, Lady Yardley, Miss Lemon are really enjoying their new wilderness. So I really hope that for all of you, the new beginnings that you are enjoying are very, very nourishing to who you are. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Jamie Vaughan. Jamie, we've seen lots of societal changes over the last few months. I'm almost, almost going to have to say over the last year. Mm-hmm. What do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Oh, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's becoming a very interesting landscape, really, isn't it? Lots of things are, are changing. We're seeing lots of uh, attitudes uh, that I'd say have been relatively ingrained, I think, and uh, in, in, well, especially in New Zealand society, but, you know, across the world as well. It's It's been, um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess, how can I put it? It's, it's very... Can't even think of the word. How terrible is that? Uh, I honestly, Sam, I, I don't know. Um, the The world is going to be very different, I think, in the um, the years to come. I mean, who knows what's going to come next with the whole COVID thing? Again, I think we all make the best of it as, as much as we can. Uh, in terms of the social attitudes, you know, we've seen a lot of upheaval. It's the word I was after. Uh, a lot of upheaval, um, not just in, in New Zealand, uh, but in, in you know, other countries. We're seeing a lot of it in the states at the moment. Um, I don't think the dust has settled, to be honest. I, I think it's still very much uh, an active thing. And uh, it, I, I hate to think, really, I hate to uh, try to predict what comes next. Um, I, I think for now, it's like New Zealand, we're very fortunate here. We're able to move on from COVID and, and try and explore what comes next. 
um, certainly far more so than a lot of other countries. Um, so, yeah, I hate to be vague, but honestly, I don't know. In your masters and going on into your doctorate, you spend you're you're looking at the. I'll paraphrase it in big time as the role of the IT professional and the, the, the what what it means to be a professional in in IT. And quite a lot of that is responsive. Quite a lot of that is responding to the changes that are around you. What do you think is the role of a a positive vision, not just of yourself, but of the the where we might be going? positive vision uh, as in something that we would work with every day trying to sort of keep ourselves on track is that what you mean Sam? Um, I'm leading to Mawira's question that she will ask about imagination <laughs> and I'm just wondering what the okay let's just let's simplify it what's the role of imagination in the work you do? I mean, the, the thing with, with the work that I do is that there is a lot of moving parts. Uh, I think that's that's fair to say. You know, there's a lot of different uh, solutions, a lot of different applications, and that's only a small part of of what we do. You know, there's there's also the fact of you know how do our people work every day? Not every person is going to approach uh, the same solution the same way. Uh, you know, we have many different teams here in this firm, and I have to say that every single team uh, utilises the same hardware, the same software, uh, extremely different from each other, you know, according to their needs. Uh, so for me, part of that imagination is one trying to predict how they're going to use a new solution uh, or a new product that we implement or a new procedure. Uh, and certainly, you know, they've, they've found ways to surprise me each and every time. So, yeah, I, I think there is a, a great deal of imagination in sort of trying to uh, predict that. Um, but there is also a great deal of imagination in trying to uh, figure out what potential solutions, what potential products are coming down the pipeline. Uh, so there's, there's certainly a little bit of the, the futurist in all of us that uh, that comes into play when we try and think of those things. And, um, I think it takes even more imagination to to realise that you know when you are in that sort of thought experiment trying to figure out what comes next, you're not always going to be successful either, uh, and you, know, you have to figure out sort of ways to work past that. As you've moved from operational and strategic, in doing so, almost doing yourself out of a job in the operational space. That's kind of the goal, isn't it? So that the operational stuff looks after itself. Absolutely. So that you can be more strategic. But then people say things like, how can we design systems that are future-proof? We want to, If we want to invest a lot of money now, we don't want to be reinvesting it all in five years' time or ten years' time. Well, or are we just dreaming on that? that? That's the norm anyway. Well, at least it has been the norm uh, up until the last few years. You know, the, the standard system, at least in my experience, is that every five, six, seven years, uh, a system would be completely refreshed. You'd chuck out the old servers, get new ones in, and you know, that, that could be a, a full system replacement, basically. Uh, so, you know, I think that was the normal for a very long time, at least as I was developing, you know, when I was doing IT consulting back in the day. Um, that just seemed to be the norm. Uh, I'm not sure if, and again, you know, things may prove me wrong, but uh, for me, I think the way we're moving with, with solutions like Office 365 and uh, you've got uh, other cloud-hosted solutions like Xero, you know, taking up, you know, incredibly um, complex and, and uh, you know, complicated solutions in the past and making them very simple uh, web-based interfaces, you know, we, we're seeing a lot of change in that respect. Uh, so, you know, again, as that continues, like, who, who knows what's coming next? It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. So what are you focusing on in your doctoral studies? Well, we're still sort of pinning down the exact uh, direction that we're looking at, uh, but we did have a chat with um, Paul Matthews, the CEO of ITP. So when I say we, I mean myself and my facilitator, uh, Hank Rude. Uh, so we did have a really good chat with, with Paul Matthews um, of ITP uh, last week to sort of say, hey, you know, look, what's the 
the, the burning questions in the industry as far as you can see them. Uh, so we've, we've got some directions that we want to go in. I think a lot of them are going to revolve around uh, you know, culture, uh, culture being, um, I think, the work culture of, of Kiwis and, and how we interact with our work systems uh, and how we approach uh, the, the design and implementation of our, uh, of our IT systems. So I think that's the direction we're going to go in. Again, it's hard to say. We're, we're still sort of figuring out the actual questions we're going to try and answer, uh, which is yeah, part of the process. But uh, it's looking really positive. And uh, yeah, I think both me and Henk are, are getting very excited about sort of the direction we take it from there. And there's an interesting question in there about culture, not just meaning the, the work culture, but how we interact with other interpretations of culture. Absolutely. At, at, a, at a societal but also a personal level. Very much so, yes. Um, so one of the things that I will attempting to be look at, I mean, myself as a, a biracial person, uh, my, my grandmother was, um, was born in, in Samoa to uh, New Age parents. She lived on uh, New A for 13 years of her life before moving to Dunedin. Um, for some reason, and only she could have answered it, and she really was... Um, She's the only person who can say why she did it. She decided that uh, she wasn't going to raise her children uh, with knowledge of that culture. And I, I won't judge her for it. That was her choice. Uh, but unfortunately, she died in, in 1991. So I can never actually know what the logic was behind that. And you know, I, I think it was mostly because at the time, you know, the, the general societal attitude was was less accepting of, of multiracial families. And uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I need to explore. It's something I need to unpack. Uh, you know, what have I missed out on as a result of, of not having that, that cultural uh, exposure uh, that um, I might have had otherwise? But who knows? I mean, that, that, of course, comes into it because part of professional identity is personal identity. The two are intertwined. You know, they cannot be uh, separated. So yeah, we shall see where that goes. It's going to be a, an interesting process, no matter which way we Yeah, as go. you say, we, you can't undo the past. So, But it's worthwhile no. thought experiment. I wonder what your career would have looked like if you had been more aware of that and, and what impact re-engaging in that and doing it that consciously in terms of your professional and personal identity, how, how those things are going to play together. It's, it's going to be very interesting, and I think um, yeah, my main concern from it is, of course, coming as someone who has lived outside of it for his entire life thus far. It's, it's coming at it from a position of respect, of knowing that, you know, look, it's, it's um, part of me, but at the same time, too, I've, I've never really um, fully experienced it. And it's, it's something that... Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be educational, I think, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, for the time being, unfortunately, there's there's not uh, many left of the New Age community here in Dunedin. So uh, I'm going to start by uh, looking at uh, you know, the close cousin uh, of uh, of the New Age language and culture, um, which uh, will be um, Te Reo and, and Te Kanga. So uh, yeah, there's a, a course I've enrolled in, hopefully uh, mid next year we'll start that, um, looking at, uh, at Te Kanga. So I look forward to very much exploring the, uh, the Māori culture. Um, you know, not as a substitute to New Orleans, of course, but you know, it, like I say, it's a close cousin and I think it'll be um, a beneficial, uh, I think, to, to myself and to my learning to, to get that sort of uh, education. One, one of the benefits of studying professional practice is that your journey of doing that is interesting and, and, is, and is valued as being an interesting thing. You don't have to be a, a super scholar in that particular culture. You are the expert in your experience and articulating that and figuring out where that's going can be done in, in a way that, that, that values that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, uh, sort of, you know, moving forward with that type of um, that type of thinking. You know, it's, it's something that I, I didn't do to the same extent that I would like to in the Masters. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, coming into the Masters, I did very much feel like I hadn't finished. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to taking it into a different direction and, and seeing where that takes me. We've been talking about language, so let's have a Dave Dobbin language. Why this one? Dave Dobbin. It's, it's one of my favourite songs, I think, overall. Um, him, between that and the, the four flat songs, 
uh, yeah, again, it kept popping up on um, on Spotify, and you know, you'd be driving along and just find myself singing away to it in the car. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a yeah, one of the one of his better ones, I think. So uh, I think after the old um, America's Cup, everyone got sick of Loyal too. I think that was that was part of it as well. So uh, yeah, but no, they were definitely one of my favourites. One of the things um, that I've been looking at as part of my uh, study of imagination is the role of imagination in empathy. And listening to you talking about your uh, your interest in culture and the and cultural interactions and I guess cultural impact as well, the impact of your culture on others and their culture on you, and how those all cross over. And um, so imagination. Feeds empathy. Empathy opens the door for uh, for cultural understanding and cultural appreciation. So, do you have you sort of observed over the last little while any change in, especially the way young people sort of interact on that level, on that imagination turning into empathy, impacting on culture? That's a big question, eh? Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely very philosophical. Um, have I noticed any changes? Um, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, I mean, if I if I look at you, know, especially with young people, I mean, I'd, I'd really be thinking of my, my children, um, and I, I think I'm very fortunate, really, to have uh, children that are uh, very uh, empathetic by nature. 
to be honest, uh, both of them, well, three of them really, even the little one is is showing, you know, if, if someone falls over and hurts themselves, they're the first to go over and see if okay and, and try and help them, um, which is, a, a I guess, a, a personal trait that I would very much encourage, uh, really. Um, yeah, I, hmm, I don't know. That you've observed empathy in your children tells me that you have raised your children in a way that has developed their imagination because if they weren't imaginative, if you hadn't put effort into growing their imagination, then there would be an absence of empathy there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, you, you're, you're quite right. I mean, now that I think about it, you know, my, my children are extremely creative. I, I would say more so than myself, which, um, to be honest, is something we're a little bit proud of, uh, really. But, I mean, it's it's not just me. It's, you know, my, my wife, Jeannie, as well, you know, makes a, a large part, and, and the other boys have been raised too. Um, I, I think for me, you know, when, when I look at sort of, you know, the, the changes in the world around us and everything that's going on, you know, I, I hear some people say, oh, you know, what are we raising our children into? You know, what, what sort of world are we bringing them into? And I personally look at it and think, well, okay, you know, it's fair enough, the fair question. But I personally would rather raise them thinking, well, here's an opportunity for us to make it better. That, that's what I would like my kids to think, that, um, hey, you know, hey, look, things might be going to, to heck in a handbasket, but what can we do to make it better? Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it might sound like a Hallmark card, but that's that's my genuine thought on the matter. That's good. That's really neat. Do your kids um, do your kids observe that, like in the media and social media and the interactions at school? Do they observe that the way that um, that our natural environment is changing? Um, is it something they're concerned about already? Uh, I would like to think so. Uh, again, it's it's a pretty big <laughs> topic, uh, needless to say. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd like to think that yeah, they are aware of, of those environmental and, and cultural factors uh, that are going to be so important uh, going forward as they develop, uh, as everyone develops, really. Um, it's not something we have active conversations about, I'll be honest. I think they're, they're probably still a little bit young to understand the uh, the complexity and the importance of it. Uh, but, you know, I do have an older child who's starting to think along those lines, and he's starting mm -hmm. to see the old cogwheels turn uh, in his head of like, well, you know, um, what am I going to do? Where do I want to grow up to be? What 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 is the, the world going to be like? Um, so we're starting to see that uh, with him now. Um, the other two, of course, are all about screaming and jump, jumping off things as much as they can. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that comes along. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged, really, by by how they're growing up. And, uh, you know, like I've, I've done a lot of uh, work that I'm proud of, you know, here at GCA and with my master's and now with my doctorate. But even that doesn't have a, a chance in hell compared to the pride I feel in, in you know, my kids growing up. So. Well done. So I have some okay. questions to end the show with. You may have just answered the first one. What is the <laughs> biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, well, I mean, biggest success here will, will be my, my third child, Archer. He's a um, he's an absolute sweetheart. Uh, so yeah, he's he's my best success. But uh, no, I think I think my best success in the last few years uh, has been. Uh, I'd say you're beginning with DPP and, and starting that process. That's probably the biggest one. Uh, next to that has been you're getting the firm through through COVID and, and supporting them through that uh, and allowing them to carry on being productive. That's, that's probably been the, the biggest successes I've had. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? The superpower that's got me into the mansion? Um, uh, I would probably say uh, regenerative healing abilities that hear my eardrums every time they uh, heal my eardrums every time they get blown out by the the loud noises at home. Um, that's that's probably one of them. Um, that, that's a tricky question, Sam. Um, yikes! Uh, use my my pregnant pause. Um, I think it would be the uh, the X-ray specs that let me see things a little bit different to everyone else. I think that's what it would be. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? In some respects, yeah. yeah. I uh, very much don't like to think of myself as the uh, one of the people fighting for uh, ongoing education and technology. Um, for me, that's one of the, the, the best things about my job is when you know, I, I try to, to teach someone how to do something and I get the, the light behind their eyes. You know, I get it. Um, I absolutely love that. Um, and, yeah, that happens 
quite often, probably not as often as I'd like, but uh, certainly it's, it's one of the things that keeps me getting out of bed in the morning. So what motivates you? Uh, trying to leave the world in a better place than when I found it. What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next, next year or so? Uh, biggest challenge would be working towards completing that DPP. I think uh, finding the right uh, research topic and successfully navigating all of the pitfalls that will no doubt come as a result of it. Uh, but, you know, finding something that's going to be meaningful and impactful. You can have leaving the world in a better place as your research topic. Well, that would certainly work quite a bit. But, I mean, that's... That's something I think we should all be doing, to be honest, Sam. I think that's, that's something that should be a uh, collective responsibility uh, of everyone in the world, really. So uh, I think more likely my research topic would be along the lines of um, how do we achieve that? And what's what's computing's contribution to that? Well, computing is pervasive. It's it's everywhere these days. It's, it's kind of the, the norm, really. Uh, how do you run a business these days if you don't have the technology behind it? Operate in this wonderful digital world that uh, we seem to be hell-bent on creating. Um, it's a necessary evil, so I'd much rather people learn how to use it properly and safely and responsibly. Uh, so I think that's you know, ultimately um, one of my goals is to try and figure out how we do that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Advice in what regard? Anything you like. Free hit. <laughs> Uh, other than don't eat, don't eat yellow snow, that's probably a little bit, you know, let's not go down that path. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I, I think what I'll do uh, is I think repeat uh, one of the things I said to the students at EIT uh, earlier today. Um, when you're in a situation, you know, be it employment or working with others, uh, one of the most important things you can do is build relationships. Uh, even if you, know, you aren't doing so for the means of you know, calling in favours later on, which, again, a, a good person who can you know, uh, do a favour for you in a, a tight spot um, is a very valuable thing. Even if you're not doing it for that reason, at the very least, you've made a friend. So I think your relationships with, with others, regardless of what you do, is a very important uh, and vital uh, way to live your life and, and uh, progress as a human being. Thank you for that. Moira? Jamie, um, it is it's such a big deal to me at the moment um, this question about parents and kids and imagination and, and because I see that we're heading to this kind of a worrying place um, and it, it can be quite negative actually carrying that and the, the problem of it in my mind and then I come across someone like you who's actively encouraging an imagination in their kids and, and observing that and observing empathy and I just say well done you you're Thank awesome, you. you're doing Thank it, you got guys are doing a great job raising your kids and um and hopefully good role models in your community around you as well and keep asking your kids what do they want to do when they get big and it doesn't matter what the answer is as long as they can actually imagine themselves doing something thank you very much let's go out to crazy little thing called love
with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in central Dunedin, Jamie Vaughan. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.